welcome to Code Cafeteria, where we talk about developer life, tech, games, and other things. Today, on episode 4, we're talking about Nintendo Switch, the games we love, tips and tricks, and why the Switch is an important part of our developer life. I'm Miguel, and with me we have our hosts Kai and Lara. Hello there, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm fine, how are you Miguel? Good, thank you. So, I would like to start this episode with knowing a little bit more about our past gaming history. With Nintendo consoles or with other gaming systems. I bet that we all started with the Game Boy, but I would like to know. So, what's your story, Kai? I actually started with the Game Boy. Before I had a Game Boy, I would have played games on my Commodore 64 and then on a PC or maybe two PCs by the time or something like that. But the um, Game Boy was my first Nintendo console, actually. I never had like an NES or something like that before. All right. Do you, did you have any other consoles after that? Um, yes. So after the Game Boy, I had a Game Boy Advance, the, um, the one that you could flip open, actually, that variant. And then a Nintendo DS, 3DS, and now the Nintendo Switch. And in between, we also had a, or still have a Nintendo Wii. And at some stage, we had a PlayStation 1 for a while. So there have been a few, but most of our console gaming has focused around Nintendo platforms, actually. I see. And did you play on PC also? I did play on PC, but that's been a while ago. I mean, that's been like probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, you know, when it was kind of the thing to build your own PC and to put yeah. like a graphics acceleration card, like a 3DFX card in there and stuff like that. Yes. I haven't really gamed on a PC seriously for probably 15 years or something like that because when we yeah. moved to New Zealand at some stage I just converted to using laptops most of the time which basically means that your gaming quality is limited to certain experiences like strategy games work really well and stuff like that but you couldn't play like a shooter for example on a laptop nicely yeah. or on most laptops at least yeah what about you Lara? I also started with the Game Boy I, I remember that my cousin had the Game Boy and I was in love, like, I want to get this. And some months later, for my birthday, I got the Game Boy. But at that time, the it was, uh, I think it was, um, oh, I don't remember, the second Game Boy that, that came out, you know, the, ah, the Game Boy Pocket. Ah. So I wanted oh, the, the Game Pocket. Boy Pocket, I wanted the Game Boy Pocket in yellow, but... I think it was too expensive but at that time. So my parents got me the, the fat one <laughs> with Tetris, <laughs> which still was awesome. And then they got the the, um, the pocket to my, for my brother <laughs> for Christmas. Oh, I no. will never forget that. Yeah. And so I had the Game Boy. A couple of years later, I got the Game Boy Color. Um then in my family, we got the Super Nintendo, of course, uh, like with all the Mario games. And then at some point, they bought the 
the PlayStation 1 to my brother. So it was like not very shared, kind of. <laughs> um, and that's when a period of sadness, I will say, began. Like my parents pushed me to study and not not gaming. So when I turn out, turned 18 and I earned my own money, I bought myself like the PSP, the PlayStation Portable, and also the Nintendo DS in a cherry color was awesome <laughs> and then another period of sadness and no money happened and after that um, I think the following uh, console was the Xbox 360 that wasn't mine it was Mikael's we started dating and I started gaming again and then yeah after Xbox 360 and all the awesome games I played there. We bought the PS4, uh, the, the the Vita, the PlayStation Vita. Then we also played on PC. We bought then the PS3 uh, as well because we wanted to play more. Um, and then the 2DS because it was cheap <laughs> and we could play more games. And finally, two years ago, we bought the Switch. So here's an interesting question. Do you still have your old Nintendo consoles, like your old Game Boy or your Game Boy Advance or your DS and stuff like that? Because yes. I have them. Okay. Yes. I think the last time we went to visit my family, we took all of them and had to fight with my brother a little bit um, because I wanted to bring some of the games from, for the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo that he wanted to keep as well. Okay. Yeah, my, my wife still has her original Game Boy. And we have a bunch of Game Boy cartridges as well. And I have my Game Boy Advance, or my, we actually might both have our Game Boy Advances still. And we also have our DS and like, yeah, the three DSs, obviously, because they are reasonably new still. I have them all. I, I, I still, I had here in Berlin, I had also my, my PSP and the Vita. Well, the Vita was, was here. I mean, the, the Nintendo DS. And they were working. It's just I didn't have games for that anymore. Oh, yeah. The PSP was a funny one, right? Like, because it had that option to play those Sony movies on, like, a mini disc kind of thing, correct? UMD. Yeah, yeah. Yes, thank you. UMD. Yes, the UMD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The games were that format as well. Yes, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember like going to a a mall and wanted to buy like a um, MP3 player, and then I went directly to the gaming section and look at the PSP and thought, you know, this plays music, plays videos, I can watch images if I want, and I can play video games. And it costs the same. <laughs> That's why I bought it. <laughs> I <laughs> with my own money, of course. So <laughs> Yeah, I think it it was a it was a really nice console and the good thing is that it got a lot of PlayStation classics also. So um it was really good good thing. In my case in my case, so I I got a Game Boy also when I was seven or eight, like everyone else. And we uh, we got that Game Boy back, but it was not working anymore. 
I tried to fix it and it was impossible, so we just end up throwing it away. Uh, but we have the games and we have also the Nintendo back that I was using to carry all my games and then on the on the Game Boy also in the middle. And we still have that. And it's it's awesome to open it and to we can still play the games in other Game Boys that we have. That, we, that's awesome. Uh, yes, yes. Um, we never do that, but I, I love the idea of doing that. <laughs> um, as, as, a, um, as a big family, I will say, you know, because we, um, in my case, we were to a brother and I had a brother and a sister also as well. So we shared pretty much everything. And in this case, um, we had a Super Nintendo. We also shared and also Game Boy Advance. And that was essentially when Nintendo finished. For me, we didn't get any more Nintendo consoles from there on. But then we got a PlayStation, uh, the original one. And I kind of love it. But um, after that, I will say I just started gaming on PC. And fast forward, with my very first salary after university... I got the Xbox 360 and and then started gaming again. No, like Lara is saying, I essentially didn't play many games in university. But then afterwards, when I got the Xbox 360, it was back again into gaming. And it was part of our relationship also at the beginning with Lara and me that we will get together on the weekend and we will just play co-op games the whole time. <laughs> And we were sad when, when we bit a game and we do, cannot find a cool co-op game to play next. I mean, I, I helped taking care of the Xbox. Like, for example, when I finished my classes on Friday afternoon and, and he was working still until the evening, I would go to his apartment and take care of the Xbox and keep it running and as, as game. You do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nice person. It's really interesting how particular events sometimes trigger a respawn of gaming activity, isn't it? Um, because I wasn't playing Nintendo for quite a while until the 3DS became a thing. And I got kind of pushed into the 3DS by a friend of mine in Germany who is the dad of my wife's godchildren. And he is like a very avid Monster Hunter player on the 3DS or on pretty much anything, really. And then um, he kind of talked me into getting a 3DS with Monster Hunter. And it was actually good because I really loved the 3DS. I never got into Monster Hunter, though. And I played it maybe for like two hours and then hated it pretty much and abandoned <laughs> the game. But I, that kind of, you know, brought me back to the 3DS or to the Nintendo platform after probably a few years of not really gaming a lot at all. Wait, wait. So you didn't continue playing Monster Hunter? No. Because I remember you at some point the last two years, you gave me a bug from Monster Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> that, I got that bag. That was like a promo bag from some press event or some public event basically that i got as a prize oh okay and i didn't no. give it to you i didn't give it to you because of monster hunter i think i just gave you a bag 
um, with, with some other with other goodies in it, and was by accident the Monster Hunter bag. <laughs> yes, yes, but it became our dog's uh, bag, and the one we used to to go with her to the puppy class because she's a monster. <laughs> she was a monster. <laughs> ah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And she's also a hunter. <laughs> Um, that kind of connects us with the next topic, which is why kind of I got a switch in this case. I got a switch because we started playing Mario Kart together, together with friends. And we started to organize a weekly Mario Kart tournament. And I wanted, I didn't want to be left out. You know, Lara was playing and I wanted to play also as well. So who wants to explain how, how it started? I can do that. That's fine. So basically, that, that brings me to another topic because I just made that mistake again. So we got some listener feedback, right? And one of the listener feedback was Kai uses the word basically too often. And I just realized that I used it once again. So I'm slapping my own hand virtually right now. That's just for you, Jennifer. Um, <laughs> so how that whole... Mario Kart tournament thing started is basically through a conference in Japan um, called Droid Kaigi. So the three of us met at DroidCon Berlin for the first time. And then I think in the following year, in February, we all went to Droid Kaigi in Tokyo together. Um, and because the Switch and Nintendo in general is even more popular in Japan, we all thought, let's take our Switches to the conference and see, you know, who we might find who's actually playing some games or we get some street passes for the 3DS or, you know, just meet some other Nintendo fans. And we ended up playing Mario Kart at Droid Kaigi just on the floor outside in the waiting area, outside the session rooms, basically at some point. And... That was so nice because it attracted a few other people, mainly Westerners, to be honest, to us, that we decided to try to host an online tournament every Saturday night in Europe and Sunday morning in Australia and New Zealand. And we had actually for quite a while a decent amount of people joining at that times. And we're basically doing another you know, weekly Mario Kart session with eight or 12 races or something like that. And that was a really nice thing so that we went ahead and created a Twitter account for it. Um, basically, <laughs> Mario Kart Android peeps. And uh, so it became a bit of a thing. And then at the DroidCon Berlin the year after, we actually made it a live event on the interactive or community day, whatever it was called back then. And we had probably around 20, 30 people bringing their Switch to the conference and playing Mario Kart races in a somewhat organized tournament format hooked to the projector in one of the conference rooms. And that was a really fun and cool thing to do. But I mean, apart from that, in general, a Switch, because of its social gaming elements and that you can play with multiple people on one device is a really nice platform to take somewhere to a conference and just play casually with friends or you know new acquaintances acquaintances 
and play some games and I remember you know, meet some that people. We did we did that in um Dracon London also as well. I remember sitting together with other people and sharing um the Nintendo Switch, everyone with one Joy-Con. So for every Switch we could two people could play with us, right? So two people could play together. So um at the end we had, I don't know, eight people maybe, and we were all playing together Mario Kart. It was really nice. We also did another tournament in a conference, um, like a live tournament like Droidcon, and it was in Dachfest, yes. 2018? Yes, in Munich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and it was fun. I remember losing, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, not being the first one, but... So the interesting thing with the Switch and these tournaments is that at the beginning of the Switch lifecycle, pretty much everyone had Mario Kart. Because the amount of games that you could get in the first six months or so were obviously a bit limited. So all the people who got a Switch early usually ended up buying Zelda and Mario Kart and maybe one or two other kind of standard games that everyone had. Splatoon, yeah. And that makes it really easy to actually organize those tournaments because everyone has the game. You can pretty much rely on that. And I think that is much harder now because you get a lot of people coming new to the Switch platform that buy it without being a Nintendo person. They just want to have a a portable gaming device that they can take somewhere and that has a lot of good indie games or, you know, maybe some other games they like, but you can't really rely on certain games being there anymore, which makes it a bit more tricky to organize these kind of things. Yeah, it's probably with uh, free-to-play games, it maybe still works, like, for example, with Fortnite. Yeah, because it's a low barrier to entry, right? Well, low barrier, it's because it's free and everyone could download it, but I don't know, it's also quite difficult to get in into like not compared comparing to um mario kart i would say but yeah most likely fortnite is harder to be decent or semi-competitive at i would agree with that so let's talk about games then um what are you playing currently sure so I recently finished Wolfenstein, which is a, a, a shooter game. And now I'm playing and I'm very addicted to a game called Okami, which is a adventure game on Japanese mythology. I don't know how to explain, but it's, it's, it's quite good. I was researching this game and turns out it was published in 2007 for PS4, uh, 2, PlayStation 2. So it's not new for Switch or, or anything. But I just love it. I, but it's, a re- it's a remaster, I think, no? Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. I didn't know what was the history behind it. I just saw it had good ratings. So I, I saw a trailer and a gameplay, I think, and, and I liked it. And I, I'm nice. enjoying it a lot. Nice, And nice. next... In my list is Assassin's Creed 3 because I, I, I saw it um, on discount recently and I bought it. But I want to finish Okami. 
What about you, Kai? I recently finished Trüber Brock. That's um, a point-and-click adventure that plays in 1960s Germany. And it's a bit like mystery, sci-fi kind of themed. And that was a really good fun to play. It's made by a German publisher, actually. Um, the company behind the TV show Neo Magazine Royale, if some of the listeners might know that. So it's kind of Jan Böhmermann's company, who's like a stand-up comedian TV personality. But they also do other multimedia format and other products, and they basically built that game. So that was a really nice thing to play because it was also quite short. Um, you know, you could finish the game in like six, seven hours. And it wasn't like a story that dragged on and dragged on and dragged on. Um, the other thing I'm actively playing is Assassin's Creed Rebel Collection. That was recently remastered and ported to the Switch. I mean, recently was a few months ago. And I got that for Christmas. So I've started playing it, and but I'm not really super far in at this stage. And um, apart from that as a current game, I ongoingly more or less play Fortnite. Um, but that has probably dropped a little bit in my list of priorities because they haven't started a new season for weeks now. It's coming if eventually later this month. Um, but, you know, with I'm not a person who necessarily needs to do all the challenges, but I like to have something to do and something to kind of game towards. And um, the season mechanism is kind of nice for that, really. Yeah. Gives did, you you finish, of, did you finish this season? I finished the battle pass, like up to level 100. Um, I didn't do all the challenges... Because after the battle pass finished, they came out with another pile of challenges where you could get some more XP or some other costumes. But some of the challenges didn't really appeal to me and I was kind of happy to play other stuff in the meantime. But when the new battle pass starts for season two in late February, I'm quite likely to jump on it again. I see. Yeah, I was never able to get to the end. I think one season we were able to get to the end, Lara, right? When we played Fortnite? Uh, yeah, one season, but yes. I don't remember much. We played yeah, for I don't remember much. two, three months, I think. Yes. What I, like, what I like about Fortnite is that my wife plays it as well. So it's kind of a really cool and fun thing to play together in a squad or in a duo or something like that um, and have some social activity around it as well because we can just play together she plays on the big screen and I play on I usually play handheld anyway mm -hmm. yeah we, we also like playing together Mikael and me and whenever we go we could we would play with you guy and your wife because we had fun yeah Maybe I can ask now, what are you playing, Miguel? Ah, thank you. I I finished um, a game, you know, um, uh, which is a Japanese role-playing game called Tokyo Mirage Sessions. And this is a remake from a game from Wii U. And the game, is well, it was said to be like a hidden gem inside Wii U because not a lot of people got a Wii U. 
and they re they relaunched this game on the Switch. And I was playing it and I really liked it. I really liked the the combat and I really liked the the gameplay, let's say. I think the story was not really for me because the story is is really is really crazy, it's uh, really bizarre. Um it's kind of um set in Tokyo in a modern Tokyo, but it's also um a lot of idol things and 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 J-pop music and so and and at the end I was just skipping this story and just going for the the battles with the final bosses and everything because that was what uh, got me addicted and I think um 50 hours or so I took from the game and I was uh playing if you're if you buy this game I recommend you to play in hard because it's a really easy game in normal so um, even in hard, it was I, I did not have to do grinding or anything. I was just playing normally and it was a bit challenging at the end, but not a lot. So and I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Is this the, that that game that has a similar gameplay uh, than uh, Persona 5? Yeah, it's very similar to Persona. Yes, to the Persona games. Very, very similar. Um, I will. I will also give a warning. That is like the typical Japanese game where you have um, like, I I don't know how to say, but it's a little bit sexist in in some in how the the the, the characters show and everything. So um, it's not for everyone. That thing. Just a warning here. The thing is that the original game that appeared in Japan um, for the Wii was uh, was way worse, and at the end they. They changed a lot of parts of the game when it came to to the West, and the re the remaster for Switch it remains with all the changes for the West also as well. So now I'm kind of taking a break from gaming on the Switch <laughs> because I'm waiting. I'm looking forward to some games that one game particularly that comes now in in March, which I guess you all also are waiting for it, which is. Um, Animal Crossing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Yes. Possibly. Yes. Did you play on the 3DS? <sighs> I didn't. I did. Yeah? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, but a bunch of my friends here played it and my wife played it as well. My wife also played um, Animal Crossing Home Designer on the 3DS. Me too. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm... I'm looking at the Switch version. It will depend a little bit on, I don't know, how new, how many new things there are, how different it is to the old version. And I recently heard a few things about microtransactions in the game on the Switch, which makes me rather not want to buy it when I think about that. So we'll need to see how that pans out. But the overall cuteness of Animal Crossing is something you can't really deny. I mean, it's it's nice and you have your little animals and build a town. That's kind of, you know, it's cute. cute. It's very cute. The yeah. last news that I heard is that there's actually no microtransactions. That Nintendo kind of updated the text around it and removed the concept of microtransactions. Okay. I mean, I saw it, I heard it actually in a Nintendo podcast just this week that basically there would be microtransactions in okay in the game nintendo removed microtransactions were 
but did they replace that with something else that means the same? I don't remember exactly the story, but um, I, I saw it on the subreddit for, for Nintendo Switch this week, I think it was, that they were kind of celebrating this thing. And it was weird also to say we have to be celebrating that a game will not have microtransactions. Yeah, Nintendo is going down an interesting path, right? Because they used to be a company very much against paid DLC, against in-app or microtransactions and things like that. And now they have changed their attitude quite a bit, starting with the mobile games, where they make lots lots of money with the subscriptions and with in-app purchases. But it also reflects in, in Switch games now. And that's a bit sad. I mean, if third-party publishers want to do that, okay. But as a Nintendo fan, I don't like it for Nintendo titles. Yeah. No, me neither. I, I didn't, I had no idea about the microtransactions thing. So I'm now like, oh boy. <laughs> if if you compare it to the to the mobile game that there is for Animal Crossing, I think that, uh, if I'm not wrong, eh, the only microtransactions that you have on this game is to accelerate when you are building things and you don't have to wait until it finished. But you still have to do what you do in Animal Crossing games, that if you want to unlock all the dresses or you're going to unlock all the uh, things for your home or so, you still have to play the game, right? You cannot go and buy them. That's what I understood when I when I was reading about this about that um, this week, but I may be wrong. Let's see how it goes. I mean, luckily, I'm not that desperate to get it on day one. So it will be, you know, I can wait a week or two to see how that all pans out and what people say before yeah. making the decision to buy it or not. Checking reviews also as well. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I would like to ask you now, um, what are your top picks for the for the Nintendo Switch? Like, if someone is buying a Nintendo Switch tomorrow, let's say, because they just heard our podcast and now they run to the shop and buy one, which games will you say, oh, pick this one and this one? So I would say that it depends also on the kind of games you like. So take this with a grain of salt. But my two recommendations, my two recommendations are The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, first one. And also another one, which is for me as well, the first one would be Stardew Valley. Yes. Why would you recommend those? Oh, the Breath of the Wild for me was like very calm experience it was so nice to play it was relaxing it was very relaxing except when you had to fight with the monsters and stuff but it was very relaxing and and you know you nature everywhere <laughs> nice graphics the music i don't know it was so awesome and stardew valley kind of the same it's um so many people think it's just uh, like a farm simulator, but that's just a tiny part of the game. And the the fun part of the game is learning about uh, 
all the people that live in the town and all the stories that go around, all the bizarre stories. I don't know. It's so much fun. And then the I think it's also the co-op is yeah, also very they, nice. Yeah, they a year ago um, they they implemented co-op in the game, so you you can play with friends. That's just amazing. It was so much fun. I I played one once myself alone, and then ne uh, following year I played another run with Miguel. <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, but I think the um, it, I got to love the game even more when once Miguel explained to me, "Hey, this game is made by one person, one developer that also made the music, made the graphics." You know, and I still continue listening to the soundtrack on Spotify. The soundtrack is probably one of it. my top played uh, songs or top played yes. playlists on Spotify. Mine too. Mine too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Kai? I would probably agree with Lara that both of them are really good games. I have never played Stardew Valley in co-op. Um, I played it in single player on the Switch for a bit. Um, but that I might want to go back to co-op and give that a try at some point. I'm sorry. Lara, just you're burning bit. to say something. Just a bit? You just okay. played Stardew Valley a bit? Yeah. And then I got distracted by something else. By Fortnite. <laughs> I know. Maybe, maybe potentially <gasps> that could be the reason. Anyway. Anyways, you so, have some homework to do today. Okay. Yes, ma'am. You can continue. <laughs> So anyway, I mean, those two games are really great. Um, I would probably add Mario Kart actually to it as well as one of the best games for the Switch. Splatoon 2 is great. However, if you get into a Switch now, I'm not sure how long Splatoon 2 will be supported because Splatoon 2 relies on Nintendo servers to be there for the, for the matches. And they have stopped producing new content for Splatoon 2. So I'm pretty sure the servers will stay around for another few years. But it's a game that doesn't get any active development anymore with new Splatfests or tournaments and stuff like that. You can still play it and it's good fun. But yeah, just take that with a grain of salt. The other games on the Switch I personally really like are Wargroove. That's a strategy game, which is basically, if you remember back to Nintendo Game Boy or Game Boy Advance, the Advance Wars equivalent on the Switch. Like a turn-based strategy game where you move your tanks and your planes and basically fight kind of against another player, usually AI or another human or something like that. So that's really nice. Um, and the fourth one, or my second one, <laughs> would be Golf Story, probably. Golf Story is like a role-playing game playing or in, in, a, in a golf club setting. And it, it sounds really weird, I know, when you think about it. But the storyline is basically you want to become a golf champion and you have to solve all those tasks and practice your golf game and then, you know, find some missing balls or a missing special wood club or something like that and fight other evil golf players i know it sounds bizarre but it's a really really 
nice role-playing game. And I have that weird thing with golf games in video games. I really like golf games. And I couldn't tell you why, because you could beat me or you could pay me money and I would not watch a live golf tournament or golf on TV. But in a video game, totally different story. Have you played golf in real life also? Twice. And I didn't okay. particularly like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I have I, no I have no idea where that is coming from, basically. I didn't know this part of Kai's personality, like him playing golf games. Like I used the way he's doing business that way, no? He goes to the golf uh, ah, country club and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I used I to it. play I used to play field hockey um when I was young. So maybe that triggered something like having a club and hitting a ball. But when I tried golf, I really didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can play mini golf. Uh, mini golf you, is different. Come to Europe. Yeah. yeah, mini golf is totally different. Okay. Yes. Anyways. And you, Mikio? I will, yeah, I will recommend uh, two strategy games. I think that um, I have kind of problem playing action games on the Switch because... I prefer to play action games on the on the big TV with a pro controller, but with the Joy-Cons is a bit difficult for me. So I kind of prefer the um, uh, strategy games. And there are two of them that I think are a must-buy. And one is the Fire Emblem game, the Fire Emblem Three Houses. I think it's excellent in terms of story in the game and also the gameplay and the difficulty settings are really good, so you can, if you're not really into that, you can put the, the settings to be really forget forgetting about making mistakes and so. And if you like to play hardcore, you can play hardcore that if one person dies, you lose them for the rest of the game. And I highly recommend that one. And the other one is Civilization VI. And that game is so addictive that it shows the real time on the screen while you are playing. So you can see the time. You can see that it's 2 a.m. and you say, okay, I need to go to sleep now. One turn more, no more. And Civilization is, is a turn-based game. It's, a really, it's based on a really old game, the original Civilization. And essentially, you can win this game by not being violent. You can win this game by by culture or by making a lot of money or by being the first civilization that goes to, to space, that goes to the moon. So you can win by, by domination also, by eliminating all the other countries, but also you can win this way. And it's always super interesting how you can... Um, another player will have a different strategy than you, and, and while you are trying to fight another player, you will see that they go to the moon and they win before you. So I really like it. I think that um, it's not as complicated and not as hard as people think. You can adjust difficulty settings also as well, so it's very welcoming for beginners, I think. Did you know that Civilization comes from a board game? Um, not exactly. From, from which board game? Civilization. Before there was the first computer game version of Civilization 1, basically, back in the day, there was a board game called Civilization that still is around and that you can still buy. And it's a really good game. Um, it's a strategy game that you can play with something between three, four, and eight people. And 
it already has the basics of what you see in the computer game. So your objective is to develop your, um, you know, your people and get or make progress in various parts of societal development or war or territory or whatever you want, but get to a certain advancement stage. And how you do that is totally up to you. And obviously, it also depends on your fellow players, right? There might be more aggressive people who want to get into wars and fights. But if they leave you alone, you can spend more energy on developing your culture, your philosophy, your science or whatever. Um, and it's a really good game. Unfortunately, it is quite complex. It's one of those tabletop games that you spend about a day to play. So if you have the time to get together with a bunch of friends for like a day, it's an awesome thing. We did that a lot when I went to high school and university. <laughs> Lara is not I, into that. I'm not into board games or strategy games. I need action. I need to move. I need to jump platforms, issues or something. I need to move. Otherwise I get bored. Um, yeah. So imagine we have tomorrow a... a coffee with friends to play a board game and I, I was saying I was asking if they will mind me if I will bring my switch while they what play. are you playing what, um, what game are you playing madness ma mansions of madness oh that sounds good yeah it's um it's a like a role-playing game kind of um with a board and everything and you have a nap that is the the dungeon master let's say So oh, it's like it, a like a D and D variant, basically. It's like a light D and D based on on the uh, Tulhu mythos, you know, from uh, Lovecraft, uh, and um, and you play with a with an app that says what's gonna happen next. Uh, but you have the board, you have like monsters and 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 everything. I'm so looking forward to play. I know that Lara doesn't like it, but I'm just so much into those things. So I have to think of stories to play that game, isn't no, it? Like no, 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 no. No, it's not like a role playing. Like when ah. we try to play Vampire, for example, and you oh. have to to Ugh. imagine things. No, get into a, character, basically. Yeah. Yes. Shut up. No. Yes. Yes. No, in this case, in this case, you you just say, okay, I move to the next room and I wanna shoot the monster that there is in the next room and stuff like that. We're totally getting off topic here, but one thing yeah. on that, <laughs> there is like, I don't know if you know the company Games Workshop. They do like those metal mini miniatures, and they have the whole Warhammer universe and Warhammer 40k and these kind of things. And there is one game that is quite unpopular compared to Warhammer, which is Blood Bowl. Have you heard mm. of that? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's basically an American football game, turn-based strategy in the Warhammer world. So you play a team of orcs against a team of elves or, you know, against a team of ravens or something like that. And that is really fun because it brings together some of those role-playing game elements with a turn-based strategy game. And it takes out that whole getting into character thing, which I think for introverts can be a bit difficult sometimes it can be it can be yeah I, i think it depends on on who you are with and and the group of friends and everything some people is make it easier to be in character some others need to be in a very comfortable place yeah all right so going back to nintendo switch and um 
So you have been playing with the Switch for, for a couple of years already. I think you guys got it essentially the day it was launched. I got it May- five past midnight when it was launched, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably know all the tips and tricks about how you use best the Nintendo Switch, right? I wouldn't say I know all the tips and tricks, but I mean, there are a bunch of things that are good ideas when it comes to your setup, I think. I mean, one, for example, is that I have multiple eShop accounts for different countries. And that is useful to me, at least, because some games only get released electronically in particular countries. And that might be for market reasons. So some Japanese games only come out in Japan or come out way earlier in Japan, for example. Um, sometimes it might be for rating reasons. So there was one game, for example, that I really wanted, an ice hockey game, that was not released in Japan or in Australia and New Zealand because it had it's kind of a, a fictional ice hockey game. It's called Super Blood Hockey. So you see a little, it's kind of a pixelated retro style game, but the ice hockey players actually, you know, can hit each other with the sticks and basically then there's blood and they can take drugs and it's a bit like not really PC. So they had issues getting it through the rating systems in Australia, which then implicates New Zealand as well, as well as Japan. So they only released it in the US and in Europe because it was way easier to get it into the eShops. But because I wanted that game, I had to create a German eShop account just to get that game, essentially. That's in general a useful thing. Um, what Nintendo requires you to have is a credit card for that country. Um, that can be tricky. In my case, it's fine because I have a German credit card and I have, like, obviously a Aust- uh, New Zealand credit card. For Japan where my third account is, I use vouchers. So what you can do is get like a prepaid card with, I don't know, 6,000 or 10,000 yen on it um, and put that amount of money in your account and then you can just spend that money. And these cards you can either get, if you're in Japan, from any shop pretty much, or you can get them online quite easily via playasia.com, for example but there are other people that sell them. Or maybe you have a friend in Japan or a friend who goes to Japan. So there are like various ways of getting these kind of things. The good thing with the e-store is that it doesn't really matter where you buy a game from to have language support for your language. So you might think, well, if I buy a game from Japan, I will only get the Japanese version. But that is not correct. So if you buy a game from Japan in the eShop or on a cartridge and the game also supports English and your Switch is set to English, then you will actually get the English version of the game when you launch it. If a game is only available in Japanese, well, then you are going to get it in Japanese. That's just what it is, basically. And I did that for one game that I wanted to have really early on, which was Puyo Puyo Tetris. And I basically decided that I don't care if it's in Japanese or in English. I just play the um, the Japanese version. And that was fine. Yeah. Yes. We bought um, a couple of games when we were in Japan because um, they were actually cheaper, I will say. 
And um, also, if you had your passport with you, you will get uh, the VAT back and everything. So it was um, it was worth it. And the box was in Japanese, but then surprise, you put the game in and everything is in English or the language that you have, your system. That's a good way of saving money when you're traveling also. We bought, I remember we bought the Taiko no Tatsujin game, which is uh, the rhythm game with drums where you have to like play like you are using drums. And I'd say that was only in Japanese or in maybe only Japan, the one we bought. But since all the games are, all the Taiko no Tatsujin games are very similar, you could play the songs by yourself but we had, we got a, a version but which was like i don't know what was the name but it was um idols game for um, it, with taiko it was in english that one i don't remember no. but that was that, that was fun yeah yeah for but the i guess it was only in japan yeah yes it's it's what Kite said, right? That um, if you don't have the translations for those games, it doesn't matter if your console is in is in English or not. You're gonna see them in Japanese, of course. Yeah, for for these ones, we could not follow stories or play the story mode. We could just guess how to continue and move forward and play the next stages. Exactly. The different pricing of Switch games is quite interesting as well. And that could be another reason why you would want to have multiple eShop accounts. You've, I mean, you mentioned it already that you found Japanese games to be cheaper than in Germany, which I would agree with. Games in Europe are unbelievably expensive compared to most other places. And you, in general, you find, I think, that games in the US are the cheapest from a pricing point of view followed by Japan, and funny enough, I find Australian prices quite competitive as well. They are a little bit cheaper than New Zealand, but Europe in general is like even more expensive than in New Zealand. I've seen like full price Switch games in Europe for like 69 euros or 59 euros. That's just outrageous. 60 euros, yeah, yeah, 60. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm following, uh, I'm, I want to buy the, Luigi's Mansion 3, I think it's the number, I don't know. The last one. And it's 60 euros. Digital in the German store. I think I saw it on Amazon Germany for, for 50. But it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, the, the original Nintendo first party titles are different again. Because they also hardly ever get any discounts or sales. Indie titles on the eShop quite often you can get for a good price um, during a sale, but Nintendo doesn't lower the don't lower the prices of their first party titles most of the time. To be honest, yeah, I mean Mario Mario Kart never goes down in price, for example, never ever. People buy it for whatever it costs. In general, the games don't don't lower the price. I was looking at how much. 60 euros is in US dollars, 65 US dollars. Wow. And probably the US price is 49 US dollars or something like that, right? I, I don't want to look at it. I'm going to get mad and angry. 
Yeah, there are like there are actually really good comparison sites where you can look up the price of pretty much every Switch game in every single eShop. And we can put a link to one or two of these sites into the show notes. But that's really useful. And sometimes yeah, send it, send you, it. I want to, yeah. I want to check it. And sometimes if you if you have the opportunity to do that eShop hopping, you can save quite decent amounts of money i mean uh, you know to save a euro that's a lot of effort but if you can save like 20 euro that might be worthwhile yes one thing that we we do lara and i is that we have each other account also set up on the on the other switch so if i buy a game digitally then she can play it also on her switch the thing is uh, a little bit complicated because, for example, if I'm online and if I'm playing another digital game where I'm online, she's blocked from my games, all of them. So it doesn't matter if it's the same game or not. Yeah, yeah basically annoying. when you open the game, it connects online to verify you own the game and then checks as well if that account is already online in another device. I'm not sure which one goes first, but basically it says, no, you are already online in another console. So, yeah. So I what I did the... is going offline. Is going, sorry, I was I, I went into um, airplane mode when she tried to play and then she could start the game and then I removed airplane mode and I think it worked. Yeah, it's an, it's an initial check just to check the license of the game, I think. The, uh, I mean... It always depends on what you're playing and what times you are playing. But I was thinking about doing exactly that setup and put my wife's account on my Switch because she has one or two digital games I'd like to play. And particularly that would be interesting when I go to Europe um, later in the year because then we would be 10 or 12 hours off anyway. So when I want to play, it would be during her day and she would probably not use her Switch. So that... That would actually work quite nicely for, you know, having a go at these games. And one of them is actually Thimbleweed Park. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's another point-and-click adventure in that Manic Mansion um, kind of style where you have, like, certain words you can click on and interact with with um, things in your scene. So, actually, uh, some months ago, I downloaded a game on Miguel's account on my Switch, which was the golf story game. I yeah, don't know if he, if he played or I don't know. The thing is that I played, I tried it for a bit. I didn't like it. I closed it and archived it. <laughs> Just wanted to say it. <laughs> <laughs> we cut that part from the podcast. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> So I mean the other the other general interesting generally interesting life hack is the family membership isn't it yeah. So for people who don't know to play games online on Nintendo servers you need to have like a Nintendo membership and you can get like individual memberships for various time spans like 3 month or 12 month or something like that and you can also get a family membership and there's no stipulation in the family membership terms and conditions that you have to be related by blood so which is actually kind of nice i think following that whole concept of like seeing us 
all as a wider family. I got a family membership because it wasn't that much more expensive than two individual memberships anyway. And now we are a family of eight people who play together regularly, you know, or can play together regularly. So that is useful for people who, you know, want to play with friends. And instead of getting six or eight individual memberships, maybe get a family membership and just add your friends to it. And I don't know, either share the cost or, you know, don't share the cost and get paid in coffee or whatever you want, basically. Oh, yeah, we owe you some coffee. Yeah. Yes. I think that nowadays a lot of people do that with um, Netflix and with other accounts like that. Yeah, some of them actually put in the terms and conditions, though, that you have to live together. I know Spotify is doing that and they are on a bit on a rampage of trying to check and enforce that. I'm not sure how successful they are, but there are those individual anecdotal cases where people get their Spotify membership cancelled or um, get warning emails and things like that. I think I got that, yeah, because of an ac my first account on Spotify was created in Spain, but I was living already in Germany. And we tried to buy the a family subscription two years ago and I got something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Anyways. Yeah. 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 But in general, it has become a quite common thing to do. I agree. Even with platforms that don't explicitly allow sharing between people who are not related or don't live together. But that, yeah, that's fine. It will most more or less work in most cases. So would you like to recommend some resources to people like podcasts or other online communities for learning more about the Nintendo Switch? Yeah, I listen to Nintendo-related podcasts quite a bit. Um, and there are three particular ones I would recommend. I tried many more, but these are the three that I got stuck with, basically. The first one is Nintendo Pulse. Um, that's a twice-weekly show about Nintendo Switch, more or less. It used to be, you know, about 3DS back then, but they have obviously moved on to mainly covering Switch stuff nowadays. Um, that is my favorite Nintendo podcast. My second favorite is a podcast that is called the Switchcast, also in English, that comes out weekly, and they focus usually a bit more on one or two topics for longer sections in time. Nintendo Pulse is more about news and like talking about what they've recently played. Switchcast is more like they pick a topic and then they talk about that topic for half an hour for one game or they review a game more deeply, for example. And the third one for our listeners who prefer something in German is a podcast called Der Nintendo Podcast. And that is made by some people who work at the German Nintendo magazine. And they come out weekly as well, um, fully in German. And they go through a whole bunch of news items and then pick some topics that are kind of relevant for that week. What they also do is, and I like that, is they pick kind of the best five games that are new in the eShop in that week. Ah, so they cool. go through all the new releases, which are so many nowadays, and they pick like the five or six or whatever best ones, or the, the ones that they like best or that look best and look most interesting. That's to, great. To investigate further. 
That's great because um, when you go to the to the new games section in the eShop, there's so much crap. Sorry. But yeah. there's so much <laughs> mobile games that are ported to Switch that they they look just so horrible. And I'm I'm like just, just hoping people are not paying money for that. Yeah. Thank you. I agree. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Um, I would like to recommend uh, Nintendo Switch community on Reddit. Maybe, um, well, you know that Reddit is not the most friendly place to participate, but I go there for getting news and I get a lot of nice game recommendations because someone will start talking about a game I had no idea and then there will be a thread of people asking questions about the game and then you realize that it's an awesome game. So I discovered already like a couple of games this way and... And they also like to discuss all the news that appear. And so so in, inside what is Reddit is kind of like a, a well-moderated uh, subreddit. So I will, I will give it a look once in a while if you are following Nintendo Switch news. Cool, awesome. I, I, I personally would like to, to know more recommendations from our listeners maybe. Um, Maybe through Twitter. I don't know what else. Uh, I'd say Twitter. I want more games. I want to know. I, I don't have time to, I don't know, browse Reddit, Nintendo Switch, and all that stuff, or read the news. I don't follow. I, I need the recommendations. So I can go straight to the store, check it out, and buy it if I, if I can. <laughs> I would also like to meet new potential people to play with. You know, if any of you play any of the games we like and we talked about and you want to play online with us, like then drop us a Twitter message or a reply uh, with your Switch friend code and we can add you. Maybe maybe we can revive our Android Pips tournaments. Ooh, that would be so cool. Mario yeah. Kart. I mm -hmm. miss but it. I we miss can it. make it a Code Cafeteria uh, tournament now. Oh. Yes. Mm, I like how that mm -hmm. sounds. We need to check, though, how the time zones work on Nintendo's platform so these days. <laughs> are you busy in half an hour, Kai? <laughs> to play around? <laughs> I need to go to sleep. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we, can play, we can play later when you wake up. Follow us on Code Cafeteria on our Twitter account. We also have a YouTube channel now if you prefer to um, listen on YouTube because we don't record video at the moment yet, but we are hosting there also the audios, which also have uh, subtitles, so you can also read along. And these subtitles are auto-generated, but if anyone wants to provide a proper translation or a transcript of the podcast, we'll be super happy if someone does that also as well. Leave us a reply if you like the episode with your favorite games, with if you want to play with us, with anything that you want to talk to us. And thanks a lot for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. We haven't decided yet what to talk in a couple of weeks. We usually discuss that before the episode, but we forgot. So it will be a surprise in this case. <laughs> yes. <Well put. laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks, Kai, for being with us. Thanks, Lara, also as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you.